again. What is it? Everything's suddenly so lively around here. We're all heading to our battle stations. You'll have to go back inside. What is the matter with the lock device for this room? <laughs> Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only, as far as I know, episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we watch every episode of Gundam Seed, and then after we talk about it. This week, we're watching episode 9, Fading Light. My name is Jeremy. In the year 20XEX, I was awakened from my slumber. I'm Tyler. I didn't even know we were the best at anything. My name is Zach. I would say that we have the best... (laughs) podcast that reviews retro video games except for the fact that there's like a million there's of retro knots exists and that's probably like the fifth best yeah but how <laughs> many of them have me on them i think that is yeah. probably what's bringing us down which podcast are we doing <laughs> not the one we've been talking about stop so. gundam time ah that was the alternate title all right yeah man normally i have some stuff i want to talk about before the episode but i don't know if there's anything particularly was... relevant for this one yeah i mean we got lacus in play We've got Haro in play. <laughs> I maintain, who would ever buy one of those? They're like the most annoying pieces well, of can you uh, tell? Spoiler, no one in Gundam Seed has ever bought one. Okay. <laughs> there are a couple dozen in the series. None of them have been purchased. <laughs> They're just there. Oh, God. Don't worry. The mysteries of the Haro origin <laughs> are explored. And there's a sweet webcomic about it that I can share with you next episode. Nonsense. Haro's breed like Paris Brights. That's a My Little Pony joke. That's appropriate, because Flay Ulster is voiced by Rarity in really? the English job. Huh. Oh, you want to know some fun voice actor trivia? I can do into vo- fun voice actor trivia this episode. The Japanese voice actors for Moo and Maru are Tuxedo Mask and Sailor Moon. Yeah, and their relationship is about the same. <laughs> Moo doesn't throw roses at Jins, and that is but too wouldn't bad. That, yeah, so but wouldn't that be so much better? <laughs> And he also doesn't just go, Maru, believe in yourself. I'm going to be over there. Nice catch. <laughs> and uh, Matt Hill, the voice actor for Kira Yamato in the English dub, is also the voice of Ed from Ed and Eddie, whereas his Japanese voice actor dubbed Ed in the Japanese dub of Ed, Ed and Eddie. Wait, there was a Japanese dub of Ed, Ed and Eddie? Why? But Lacus, Flay will get mad, and then Flay will tell Moo, and then Moo will tell Nataro, and Nataro will say, not now, I'm busy. <laughs> I can't think of any other useful voice actor trivia or useless voice actor trivia. The Joker grew an amazing beard. Yeah, and then he was in a movie. Yep. <laughs> he looked confused, like, well, how would I get here? Why am I in this movie? Isn't this movie over? And then this movie was over. It got promoted in a couple places. There's a Twitter account called Lonely Luke. Where it's Luke, or from the perspective of Luke being on that island for 20 years alone. <laughs> oh, I, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> no, I just saw emo Kylo Ren, which everyone seems to be talking about. He's like, Han Solo, more like Han Duo. He's <laughs> always hanging out with Chewbacca. I'm so lonely. Seriously, uh, all he does in that movie is look confused. Yep. He looks really confused. You're yeah. like, you weren't expecting her? Come on. What's the Force doing these days? And why did you change out your hand? Maybe all the skin peeled off and he didn't want to go get a new one. That's true. It's symbolic. He wears it to remind himself to never become his father. Actually, I totally called uh, Kylo Ren being Luke, and I was way wrong. So I was really afraid that was going to be it, because it seemed too obvious to me. I was kind of afraid of that, too. 
Well, it's only too obvious because you guys watch film theory. No, so. I heard that theory <laughs> no. before. Okay. People were talking about that from the first trailer since Luke wasn't in it and Kylo Ren's mysterious mystery is highlighted. Although now it makes sense because what would they shown would have shown in the trailer? Luke turning around looking confused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Easiest five figures he's probably ever made. I assume he's going to be in the next movie. So Yeah, but he'll have to do something, probably. <laughs> he might have to say a line. I really hope he rides around on her back like Yoda did. <laughs> <laughs> do or do not, there is no time. You're really heavy. <laughs> you should have seen me before they told me I was getting hired for this. Size matters not. <laughs> if size doesn't have you matter. seen this island? There's no food here. I haven't eaten in the last ten years. You know, speaking of this, Gundam Seed came out right after Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh, really? And Gundam Seed Destiny came out right after Revenge of the Sith. And boy, can you tell. But they don't have to deal with that for like another year. More than that, because in a year we'll be at the good part of Gundam Seed Destiny. And Tyra will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. This seems pretty cool. Shin is a cool guy. I like Lunamaria. I don't know who these people are yet. I don't know what's up Consider with this mask guy. yourself lucky. The thing is, we've told him who the masked guy in Destiny is, but he doesn't remember because it was offhand in a podcast. So he gets to go through that himself. I remember watching Destiny and being like, no, Jeremy, he's not right. It's not nearly that. Oh, God. Is it Kira's evil twin? No. The, the oh. problem with Destiny is, you know that scene in Die Hard 2 with the plane that's going down and they've told it the wrong uh, elevation for the ground? No, no you don't? I don't, okay. actually. I've never watched any Die Hard movies. Well, you need to fix this next <sighs> Christmas, but. I do. The plane's going down, and you can see the plane going down, and you're just like, pull up! See Destiny, pull up! And then you get on the forums <laughs> with torches, just waving, trying to signal that it's too close to the ground, but they see it too late, and then they blow up like ten Death Stars. Well, at least there aren't any Death Planets. That would just be silly. Who would make one of those? There's always but a weak look, point. look, the Death Star's dick is this big, but Starkiller faces <laughs> dick. Is this big. My favorite thing about that is, like, the dark side was, like, using all this subtle metaphor and stuff. Then the light side was talking about their philosophy, and it's got Ace Star Pilot or something like that. And he's like, as long as the light's still there, yeah. we have hope. I'm like, can you be any more on the nose? Although I kind of like that as a visual timer. Well, yeah, definitely that. It's but just then they like, don't really use it that well, so. But they made a bunch of, like, hope-inspiring metaphors. Also, I'm like, really? If you watch Return of the Jedi, they talk about how Vader is evil and Luke is good. They don't use the word good or evil in the entirety of Episode Seven. They use light and dark. Yep. Massive planet-sized space station. Find who you're looking for in less than 15 minutes. Well, see, I always write coincidences. Twice. Yeah, see, I write coincidences like that off in these movies because the Force is clearly guiding crap, right? I mean, the same thing happens in, like, every Star Wars yeah. video game. Yeah, that's how Rey got Luke's lightsaber. Doesn't make any sense that Barb Woman would have it. But the Because force... it, fell into it fell off of Cloud City. The Empire probably went and got that. I think in the there's no Zon ground books, they on, did. There's no ground on Cloud City. Yeah, there is. It's just toxic. I, I also assume, like, there, there, it didn't fall into, like, a vent. I assume it's in, like, Bespin. I assume it's in the maintenance shaft somewhere, and the Empire did take over. I kind of assumed it had fell into one of the shafts like Luke did and just kind of got vented Oh, yeah, out. I forget that Luke did just, like, walks out, like, drunk <laughs> out of Cloud City at the end of that movie, and drunk dials Leia. He's like, can you give me a ride? I kind of want the big lightsaber battle between Luke and Vader now to be a drinking contest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and then he loses and accidentally, like, hurts his hand. And, uh. Since I've recapped Empire Strikes Back so well, why don't one of you recap Gundam Seed up to this point for the new listeners? I did it last time. 
You're right, Zach. But Zach is the worst. <laughs> I know, which is... He hasn't done it yet, though, and I want to hear his... No, no he did it once, and I cut it because oh. <laughs> it was... And did it myself. Because he was like, yeah, there's there's Kira, and there's Ather, and, and there's coordinators. Go for it, Kevin. Go for it, Tyler. <laughs> I am not Go Kevin. for it, Kevin. <laughs> Tell the people about Gundam Seed, because you're totally here. We should call Kevin and tell him to do it. Okay, what has happened in Gundam Seed so far? Okay, so there's a neutral colony. <laughs> Kira, goddamn Jesus, one-hand typist Yamato is accidentally drafted into combat after saving some random mechanic who also turns out to be the highest-ranking officer, takes over a mobile suit, fights off some other mobile suits, most of which are stolen by evil Zaft. Lots of potentially... yelling, lots of angst. Yeah, lots lots of Atherin angsting at him. Atherin, by the way, is his boy crush from childhood. Um... <laughs> They commandeer the white base, and yes, it's the white base. <laughs> it's sleeker. It's got more curves. It, it's the white base after a nice workout. <laughs> you know, you'd think after being 30 years old, the white base would be getting kind of fat, but it looks better than ever. Anyway, they commandeer the white base and fight their way to a colony where a pointless episode happens, and then they just leave. Meanwhile, <laughs> Mask Guy and Moo Guy. <laughs> Mask Guy and Moo Guy. Yeah. No. I mean, there has to be fan art of Moo wearing a cow hat somewhere. Uh, and then a wild lackus appeared. Yeah, and then a wild lackus appeared. Oh, also, by the way, she's engaged to Atherin, so now Atherin has to choose between his best friend as a child and this pink-haired chick. That do we know is... that yet? Yeah, yeah, we do. I talked about how I think it's revealed in the next episode, but it's totally revealed when Rao super awkwardly goes, Hey, Atherin, oh, that's yeah. your fiancé on TV, right? That's right. No, it, that, that happened like last episode. It's not revealed to Kira yet. It's like yeah. two episodes. Yeah, Kira yeah. doesn't know that, but we as the audience know that. And immediately when she comes out of the pod and Kira's like, she's beautiful and has pink hair. I'm like, oh, that terribly animated scene. This is going to cause problems, isn't it? Well, but Kira only has crushes on people in relationships. That is other, true. Because, Ver- I mean, Flay is with Psy. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Although I'd argue that uh, Lacus is a little bit more bubble-headed than Betty. So Yeah, but she's kind-hearted in the same way. That is true. I blew my joke early. I was totally going to use that when he talks to Lacus and then Veronica just comes up behind him, <laughs> delaying him further. But uh, case in point, last episode, Atherin and his commanding officer Rao went to look for his fiance Lacus for PR reasons. But she's on the Archangel, which is the white base. Which is really inconvenient for someone. I'm not sure who yet. <laughs> All right, and that's where this episode picks up. So, like some of the early episodes, we start out with a slightly longer version of some scenes from the previous episode. After the recap we basically just gave, we forgot all the exasperation of the commanding officers because also they have the a terrible pop art and the racism. We for- you didn't even mention racism. In oh yeah, also there are space racists. Okay, <laughs> and genetic engineering. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> what is wrong with your face, Kira? At least the close-ups on Lacus here are good. This is like the only part in these two episodes where Lacus is drawn correctly. <laughs> the close-ups look okay. It's the like wide shots that looks terrible. But this is last episode. This episode's animation is a little better. The Archangel is on its way to finally rendezvous <laughs> with a escort fleet, which will include Flay's dad, who is, we find out shortly, a vice minister in the Atlantic Federation which is one of the major countries in the Earth Alliance. I, I paused it here because um, the subtitles threw me off for a second because he said they forwarded their crew list to the oncoming ships that they're about to meet. Yeah. In English, he says passenger list, which makes a hell of a lot more sense to me. 
Because why would Flay ever... be listed as a crew member? Because everyone is a crew member right now. They don't have enough people to put a guard in front of Lacus's room. I guess that's true. It just it threw me off. I feel like a lot of the civilians are probably not doing anything. Half yeah, the most time. of them are. We see the only civilians that do anything are Kira's friends, not named Flay. <laughs> I feel as though there was a doctor that does something off screen because oh. they mention it. Yeah, when... she takes a look at the gunshot that Maru got. I'm kind Which of surprised that Flay isn't doing anything because Cuzzy is doing things. Well, Flay is a spoiled princess and Cuzzy is a college student. He's used to doing stuff. He tries to do as little as possible, but he still does stuff. No, my argument is that he's such an unimportant character so far that, come on, he's pitching in. You can spend some of those main character points, Flay. Well, she's got to wear that pink dress, like I talked about earlier, that signifies she's not doing anything. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is very important, that pink dress. Plus, Gundam girlfriends don't do anything except Fa, who pilots the Methus, and Fa's the worst. I guess Rue pilots the Zeta Gundam. She's pretty cool, but double Zeta Gundam sucks. I cannot remember. Oh, Frau. Never mind. Yeah, Rolina. Like... Rolina is... Oh, jeez. They've said that Lacus is an attempt to do Rolina only well, but I don't believe that because there are good things about Lacus. Rain? Rain is cool. Yeah, Rain, that's Rain, true. Rain is helpful. Yeah, she gets her own Gundam. She actually kicks ass once or twice. But Rain isn't as cool as Allenby. No. Although, is that really Domon's girlfriend? Rain? No, Allenby. No, but she could have been. She could have been. Just like all sorts of people could be Kira's girlfriend. And they could have She's been. got a bevy of girls to choose from. Wait, we should pause really quick because I need to contemplate the using the Gundam <laughs> battle suit for awkward Gundam sex. <laughs> oh, another spoiler. There's totally Gundam hand-holding in this series. Why? Uh, it's pretty good. Okay. It's not I'll for a while, for but trust me, it's pretty great. Okay, you may continue. I'm done contemplating the that. The Gundam handholding in Destiny sucks. So this episode begins with us seeing some of the useless passengers and them being excited. Really, the whole crew is excited that they're finally going to get relief from this escort force. And Miri is on her way to the bathroom where she sees Flay giving herself a facial and giving the boys some nice fan service since we got naked Atherin last episode. I love, like, Mediatia is, like, freaking, she's like, God, Flay, you're half-naked in a women's bathroom? Jeez. I'm about to take a shower and be fully naked, but what's going on? Again, this scene, though, is to highlight how she's a spoiled princess. Instead of helping with ship combat, she's giving herself a facial and making sure she looks good and giving us some exposition about who her father is. Because to make her even more foily to Lacus, her father is a high-ranking official in the Earth Alliance government. But so already like, the animation is so much better than is. the entirety of last episode. I'm pretty sure they spent more money on that bathroom scene than all of last episode. They cut some corners here, but not there. So we see Maru talking to the captain of the Montgomery. Uh, I'm confused as to why a minister is on board that ship anyway. To uh, see his daughter. Also because, you know, this is a high-class military vessel. It's possible his government invested a lot of money in it. Actually, which portion of the Earth Alliance has made the Archangel? The Atlantic Federation. Okay, so yeah, that's probably why. He's probably on some sort of Senate committee or something. Also, we kind of find out that the Earth people don't really know what's going on in the war, so it's possible he's up here in part to see. Kira's working on something in the strike right afterwards. We get that scene. He's probably just creating an artificial intelligence for it. I mean, he's using both hands. He should be done by now. (laughs) Yeah, well, the feat only lets him one-handed make operating systems in incredibly tense situations. He's got (laughs) to spend a fate point for that. And he's not going to spend a fate point when he's got all the time in the world. So Murdoch comes off. They have a little chat. Kira says, well, I guess this is pointless. 
because I really want to be a main character still and damn my chances of getting out peacefully. <laughs> Murdoch says if he wants to keep it up, he uh, can always apply for the military and enroll. And uh, Kira gives a pretty great in both languages, not a chance in hell response, which I really like. It's like the one time Kira is assertive in his entire life. He's assertive with no one there, but it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> and so, apparently Miriali and Sai operate very similar things because Sai and Miriali tag out. Like literally tag out. It was actually kind of a cool scene. I like that. But. I did like it. but We actually see quite a bit of that when they're not in combat. So then we get Lacus's song again, and here's where the budget cuts start. Because we see just a whole bunch of scenes we've seen before and different things. Also a weird scene of Moose sleeping but not in the bed (laughs) it's just like hanging in a sleeping bag you know when you're in space for long enough you develop weird habits well that also might i was gonna say might be the bed but we've actually (laughs) seen their sleeping quarters that's not what the sleeping quarters look like and we get a flashback to a wild lacus appearing (laughs) which kind of makes sense but i don't know whose perspective this is supposed to be from is this kira fantasizing about the magical space girl is this lacus thinking about kira Although it's Lacus singing through that scene, right? So maybe she's remembering it. But, but then we cut to Kira singing. afterwards. So yeah. maybe they're both thinking. Also, Moo is in the middle. So is Moo <laughs> dreaming of it? Yes. And Moo wasn't like, even there. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Moo going, man, that was a really nice moment for Kira. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I should have been there. That kid needs to get laid. This is good. <laughs> Archangel. The bottom line is they paid money to get this song and they're going to get their monies out of it. God damn it. So then we cut to the Versalius, which is Rouse ship. And he's explaining how they want to cut off the escort teams and the two other ships that they were supposed to join them haven't arrived yet. Atherin sort of protests since they're supposed to be finding Lacus and stuff, but Rao shoots him down with the pretty reasonable, yo, bro, we're soldiers. Ignoring our mission is what we do. To <laughs> <laughs> be fair, though, this is probably a higher priority target. I suspect if they ask command, they'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that's probably way more important. And well, Patrick especially- Zala sent them out. Patrick Zala would 100% say, yes, burn them all. <laughs> especially, <laughs> He's the emperor now. <laughs> especially because of how we've already seen Rao be very highly prioritized on that, not particularly care about civilian casualties. So the Archangel picks up uh, interference from some sort of jammer on the way to the rendezvous, and they realize that means trouble. We get not exactly a repeat, but a very similar scene where the gin pilots, the Versailles has picked up, tell Atherin to show him what that suit has, which is basically what Isaac says the first time they launch, and Atherin responds the same way with, sure, very noncommittally. Then we get some Atherin flashbacks to his father giving an impassioned speech, and also his meeting up with Kira, and Kira sort of calling into question his motivation. It's pretty good Atherangst. What bugs me about this episode is this is all we really get from Atherin for the entirety of it. There's no angst once he actually starts fighting his best friend. Well, maybe he was thinking about that to numb he, himself. He pre angsted Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got all the angst out of his system beforehand. Wouldn't it be smarter to turn on the armor once you actually hit combat, not before, to save power? You don't want to be taken out of your sweet Gundam by a random shell. Well, not to mention that the Strike has that awesome sniper beam. He might be using it right now. You never know. So the three <laughs> Alliance ships, two Drake classes and a Nelson class, because I'm a nerd, deploy their Mobius units against three Jins and the Aegis. Although, as we've seen before, the Mobius are really not a match for mobile suits, unless you're Moo. So Flay's dad is completely going bonkers because he's a civilian caught in a combat zone. And I love the captain's expressions, just completely <laughs> deadpan stonewall. 
well, as the at, other guy's getting out of his chair and being all crazy. If you look at the senator's expression, he's clearly complaining because he asked for a bean burrito and he said <laughs> he got a shredded chicken burrito. <laughs> to be fair to the civilian, this is what I said earlier. It doesn't seem like anyone on Earth knows what's going on up here because he's like, how can all these gins be killing our Mobiuses? We outnumber them like three to one. So clearly they're spreading misinformation about how well they're doing up here. I'm kind of surprised that being a high leader in the government, he doesn't know that, though, because it's normally the government keeping stuff from people. Yes, so, so the question becomes, who's keeping stuff from people? The Archangel <laughs> yeah. is ordered to withdraw from the fight. So they talk over whether or not they should uh, leave or not. Sai brings up Flay's father is on the ship, and Maru uh, decides that there's no guarantee they would escape anyway, which she previously said they couldn't outrun the Nazca class and the Archangel. So that kind of makes sense. And she decides to take the Archangel <laughs> into combat. Yeah, but... The thing about it is, is um, the Nazca's currently locked in a dance with the other three ships, so they could probably get away from it. Yeah, they could also Especially probably get a good shot Especially since the Nazca class though. doesn't actually know where they are. But yeah, that's true. We could just get a mount good a strike off. on top of the Archangel and shoot the entire ship out of the air. They're not going to do that, though. The Aegis, or rather the uh, Ale Strike Island mobile suit intercept. Also, Maru is a horrible captain. Yes, but I don't think this decision is bad. No, I'm it just not pointing be out best. that they don't take a shot with their main cannons when they've got a freebie. Well, but we don't really know where they're coming from. They might have a 3B through their allies. Yeah, that's true. That's they never really display the battlefield very well. Kira starts running to his battle station, and he goes by the door where Lacus is through, which just opens as he passes it. And he stops and is like, what's going on here? Clearly, um, she's a new type, so. She's that kind of rogue, I told you. <laughs> uh, Lacus asks what's going on. Basically, just a cute little scene between them. She asks if he's going to fight. She continues to call him Kirasama, which is adorable, or Mr. Yamato in the dub, which actually I quite like. That's actually awesome. <laughs> I, I really, yeah, I actually like the line. And we get a fantastic line from Kira as he's wondering what is the matter with the lock on the room, because it, obviously they locked her in, but the door keeps unlocking for some reason. So, yeah. I've noticed that there aren't really bathroom facilities in that room. But she has to call out, <laughs> just like her food, and then she has to get in a fight with Flay, and then she can use the restroom. Flay is the uh, the gatekeeper of the restroom. <laughs> you must defeat this Flay to go on. He actually delivers you know, the line really well in English, too. Considering the amount of mental harm she causes, you might actually call her a mind flayer. Da, 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 da. <laughs> that was horrible. Da. You know, Kira spends an awful lot of time talking to Lacus about the whole battle stations thing when they actually need to... He's only wasting, like, 30 seconds. My problem is more how casual he looks. Like, he's trying to look cool, almost. <laughs> it's not quite that, though. It's not quite him flirting with her. It's just him being... Maybe he's trying to mimic Moo. This is probably exactly what Moo would have done. <laughs> probably, yeah. Lacus decides to sing her song with her Haro again as she goes back in. And right as Kira's running, fucking Veronica comes in and is like, Kira, what's going on? It would be horrible if this was... Some kind of emergency where Kira needed to launch immediately, yeah, and given it, how many people are delaying him from actually yeah, launching. Yeah, Flay's father might be in danger, and he tells her that Flay's father will be fine because they'll be there. Although, you know how many Mobius pilots are dying right now? <laughs> well, at least two, because Atherin shot them down. <laughs> All right, so then we get the nice eye catch right before the battle. Which is actually a pretty good time to do it if you're actually watching this on live television. Yep, a little cliffhanger -y. Hey guys, it's Jeremy again, just me, and I'm going to make this quick because I'm sick with a terrible headache. We have three more days, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, for you to enter our contest. The deadline for that is September 5th, 
If you don't know, you can win a Master Grade Gundam 2.0 model kit for the Freedom Gundam, a copy of Gundam the Oath MS Team on DVD, or a copy of Gundam the Oath MS Team on Blu-ray. All you have to do to enter is email us at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com, send out a tweet with the hashtag Gundam Podcast, or give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Any or all of those will enter you. You can do all three, and then you'll be entered three times and triple your chance to win. We did get a few more emails, but since I'm not feeling well, I will read them next time when I actually want to give a full reply to them. So yeah, you've got a couple of days. Like I said, September 5th is the last day to enter. So send those emails, tweets, and reviews, and get back to the episode. So we see some more Mobius pilots dying to gins. Some of this footage is reused from the first episode, which isn't great, but there's enough new footage in there you can't quite tell. And the Aegis starts going to town on one of the battleships. In particular, we see it transform into its mobile armor mode and use the big cannon there, which is able to sink the ship. So it gives it some use. Apparently, you can only put a anti-ship cannon on a mobile suit if it's in the chest. So again, we reuse some footage, this time of the Mobius Zero launching, because there's a tense battle going on outside. What we need to do is watch some launch sequences. Well, I mean, clearly, it builds anticipation. Red Zero, standing by. (laughs) Kira finally arrives late, and again, to save some money, we see the packing on of the uh, Ale Striker pack, the entire thing, same as the first time. And Sai reminds Kira that Flay's father is there in case the audience wasn't watching before the commercial break, but knows who (laughs) Flay is. It would be something that you'd likely be reminded of, especially by Sai, who's a friend of both of them. Yeah. But, you know, that's not really something you need to remind Kira of. He's already well aware of that fact, or probably well aware of that fact. He's already Captain Guilt. You're just adding more more pressure to him. More guilt for the fire, I guess. What I want to know is why the launch pad has those nifty little displays that say launch or abort three times. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. who's going to be there looking at it? So uh, we got a shot of Flay being depressed. The dub adds a dumb line there that I think ruins a bit of the tension. I can't remember what it is. It's just uh, Dad or something like that. The Archangel arrives by firing the Valiants and taking out one of the three Jins. so they've already done more than nine Mobius' three <laughs> battleships. And uh, Rao's like, ah, the main character has arrived. Don't focus on the others. But he just says it to himself. I guess hoping his psychic powers will make... Uh, I love his... how he actually says the main character, too. Well, yeah, he, he's exactly that kind of asshole. But I do like how, before we get Rao's little thing there, the captain of the Montgomery is actually frustrated that the Archangel has stuck around. Yeah, yeah. And, is act- and is actively joining the fight. Yeah. So then the Strike and the Aegis start engaging each other. It's some pretty cool uh, fight scene with them just dodging each other's beams. But instead of all those launch sequences, maybe we could get some still reused footage of flashbacks to build some (laughs) angst between the two. They don't even really acknowledge each other. Which is kind of weird, although maybe they're so angry from the last time. I don't know. So Mu almost takes down a Jin, but then just gets shot and has to go back. He doesn't get much done. Can we get Mu in a mobile suit yet? Come on. You gotta wait a while, buddy. <laughs> I mean, he's still kind of a bamf, but he gets hit a lot. Then we get another shot of Flay, again, continuing to be... She gets a more determined <coughs> look. That's mostly the reason that I think the line doesn't work in the English dub, is getting her quiet sort of helps with her emotions, I think, and the line just sort of makes it feel fillery. They don't have anyone guarding the bridge because there's no one on this ship. So or Flay lock- just kind of peeks in. Or locking the bridge down. I, I would think that would be the better option is having the bridge locked down because, you know, you have civilians on board the ship. 
So Flay jumps on the ship. Maru tells her to get the hell out of there. She starts blathering about her dad, which is understandable, but she is being a nuisance. So Sai, since there's no one on the ship, has to take her away. And she gets especially freaked out when she sees one of the ships destroyed on the monitor. But it's not her dad's. So her dad will be fine. His name's George. Nothing happens <laughs> to, th- th- bad happens to the guys called George. We need George and Pat's fun times. And like Flay's in shock. Well, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense. She's a civilian. She's never actually been on the bridge when they've been in combat. Yeah, she's mostly been hiding with a pillow over her head. She complains that Kira isn't doing anything, and Sai tells her that, well, he's busy with the Aegis, but she doesn't really understand that. because She doesn't know what an, the Aegis is. <laughs> she doesn't understand combat in general. So we get some uh, lightsaber on lightsaber, or beam saber on beam saber, <laughs> rather, action between Kira and Atherin, who seem pretty determined to kill each other here. Yeah, it's a wide step away from what we've seen from them before. Sai is trying to detain Flay, but the ship shakes and she starts to get away. She's just basically freaking out. And as Sai's trying to comfort her, we hear Lacus starting to sing. And then we get an ominous cutaway. Also, she's animated terribly because... Yes, she is. Poor Lacus. I think I d- what I don't like is not Lacus's outfit. I just remember that no one can draw her face while she's wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted by this color. So Flay jumps Lacus, basically. Uh, off screen, we don't see what happens exactly. Another Jin destroys another Mobius. Mu coming back tells Maru that they basically have to escape. You would think that if they were ever going to be able to beat a Nazca class, it would be when they have three other ships backing them up. And if these ships can't take one Nazca class, what is the point of them coming to escort the Archangel? Yeah, it makes no sense that their crew is this incompetent. Flay's dad brings that up, asking, like, why the hell can't we shoot down one Jin? The Archangel (laughs) got one, why can't we? Before uh, the Archangel is a prototype ship. And the captain tells him to go get in a life pod. So Flay comes back to the Archangel bridge, apparently just escaping Psy, with Lacus in tow. She had just added Lacus to her party, so Lacus <laughs> had to follow her. <laughs> My head cannon is she kicks Psy in the nuts. So that's how she got away from him. And she says to radio the Nazca class and tell them that if they don't stop firing at her dad, she will kill Lacus. How, she, I don't know, but... With her, you know, her rape knife. <laughs> But as she is yelling about it, the Nazca class beams directly hit the Montgomery. There's a big explosion. We see Flay's dad getting on a life pod, but he doesn't escape. There's a big explosion, and he dead. Kaboom. And the Jens are like, yeah, we are the best. What? Don't fire on them. Fire on the Archangel. Who said that? I could just imagine <laughs> them going like, that can order? you believe they didn't shoot one of us down? <laughs> <laughs> well... Though, to be fair, in the first episode, they're like, man, Miguel lost an arm? Man, he must be really sloppy today <laughs> when they're attacking Heliopolis. So, Well, actually, it's Miguel got shot down. It's somebody, uh, some other guy got lo- just No, lost no, the arm. first time he just loses. Oh, no, you're right, you're right. It's, it's Ular. He just loses an arm. Yeah. Rusty. <laughs> Rusty loses everything. <laughs> so, Flay was previously very upset when she just saw combat. Seeing her father's ship explodes makes her go, you know, She's completely in shock. Yeah, she's B-sawed. We get a close-up on Lacus's not-quite-correctly-drawn face. That is pretty good at showing her sympathy and her kind of freaking out as well. Maru is just kind of stunned by this, and Natarl takes matters into her own hands. Doesn't even tell Cuzzy they do stuff. She's like, Cuzzy, you're useless. Takes the phone from him and uh, calls up Rao. She basically does what Flay was asking for. She doesn't threaten her. She implies a threat. She says, well, if you keep attacking, we'll just have to assume you don't want to protect her, so we'll just have to act. 
there's some pretty great reactions. Atherin is, of course, pissed off. Addis is, like, shocked. Rao just looks like, oh, what a twist. You got me this time, Mr. What the twist? I never saw this coming. Because Rao is almost as good as Moo. Yeah, I mean, she has that the line, and most of the people involved are I like that Kira looks more shocked about it than Atherin. So I think, well, Kira thinks he's with the good guys, right? He knows Natarl. He knows Maru. I think he's probably shocked that they would let things go to that. Also, he might not have great combat awareness since he's focused on Atherin. And he's keeping the Aegis at bay. He's keeping the X-Factor out. Why can't three ships and a bunch of Mobiuses deal with one ship and some gins? Four if you count the uh, Archangel being involved. I just love the idea of the two gin pilots getting back and like high-fiving each other like, yeah! That went well, they did back. lose one guy. Well, yeah, but to the Archangel. I mean, I come just, on. Like, this whole thing, it's got like, I have powers. absolutely no issue with this my problem is more a matter of everybody else seems horrified that this is this even probably violates a whole bunch of treaties this is certainly not allowed under the geneva convention we don't know what zaft has with the earth alliance to be zaft fair has already blown up a civilian colony yeah also they totally just nuked a senator <laughs> so <laughs> well yeah but he was on a combat ship okay that's yeah, true. he was on a if, combat oh, ship that makes sense they blew up a civilian colony. Whoever here has already violated any kind of treaties, yeah, but, Zaft is already way, way But there's over the, the old top saying here. about democracy having to fight with its arm tied behind <laughs> its back, and that's because if you want to have the moral high ground, you have to act like you should have the moral high ground. Also, Zach, the bloody Valentine tragedy was not committed by the Earth Forces. <laughs> well, I yeah, know, but... Yeah, technically it was. It was one of their nukes. Yes, but no one knows exactly who committed it. That's one of the things that they were talking about. That's it started true. the war... But no one knows exactly who fired the thing. So anyway, Moo, like Rao, he's pretty blessed. He's like, well, I didn't expect this to happen. And Rao has the super baller. Well, this must be super awkward for them. He even Rao is like, yeah, they must be upset about this. Zach, it's just your super survivalist. You don't think at all about morale. Like, this has got to be bad. She's just a teenager like the rest of them. They have a mostly teenage crew. All of them are kind of Lacus Klein on that ship. <laughs> Can you just imagine an entire ship manned by Lacus Kleins? Oh God, you are in horrifying. for a treat, good sir. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Archangel is full of civilians from Heliopolis. The Archangel's crew, because they took them on, is under a uh, significant pressure to protect these people. They can't protect those people with their guns. So telling them, if you shoot us, you're going to be shooting at her, protects those people. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's definitely underhanded. <laughs> And like I said, it probably violates some treaties. It is definitely a heel move, and it never feels good to be the bad guy. The aggressor sets the rules. Zaf blew up the colony first. Yeah, but Zaf justified that. And perhaps the Archangel will justify this, but obviously Atherin and Nickel had a problem with morale after they blew up the colony, and this is just the flip side. To be fair, how silly would they have felt if they blew up the Archangel? And they're like, oh... Lacus Klein was on that ship. <laughs> like, Oops. oh, there's a pink-haired corpse here in this explosion. <laughs> they would never know. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. We found a horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pink-haired corpse. So, Tyler, what do you think? Of? This moral con this, quandary. Th the moral quandary that we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. I feel like it's a necessity. I honestly don't feel it's that big of a heel move. So, <laughs> I do think that Natarl probably wouldn't have done it if Flay didn't literally bring Lacus to the bridge and give her the idea. That's You're probably, probably right. And that's why I'm okay with it. I don't think the Tarl is bad for doing this. I don't think the Archangel is bad for doing this, but I do think it would be upsetting. What would they have done to avert the situation otherwise? Retreat in the first place? Um, well, I mean, that's not an option now. So Shoot them with their big cannon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually let that thing roar. 
have useful Mobiuses? Well, they had one, but he got shot down. They, they made a tactical blunder by coming to the fight, and they have to make a political gaffe to get out. I think it's fine, but I also think that for a whole bunch of teenagers who aren't soldiers... Yeah, they don't see it as a necessary action, they see it as a morally reprehensible action. Well, or and, me. like I said, all of them are kind of in the same shoes as Lacus, except for that they're not politically important. Or pink haired. It does almost kind of say we will throw any of you away if survival is necessary, which is what happens to soldiers in war, but none of them are soldiers. Well, to be fair, Kira's friends all actually enlisted. Not yet. No, they did. No, they haven't enlisted yet. They put on uniforms, they don't have rank insignias. Yep. Spoiler, Zach. It it, it becomes a big deal when they enlist. I thought they explicitly said that they had volunteered. Well, they said they volunteered. Yes, they did. They have not enlisted because they can't sign up. Because even earlier, Murdoch said, hey, Kira, you could could volunteer. And he was like, fuck that. (laughs) So Yeah, Yeah, he really did. So I love how Bemuse Rowe is like, yeah, that must be mega awkward for them. (laughs) This is the best. Yeah, he really does have that effect on him. So Addis is like, we can't continue. And uh, Rao sense that, yes, killing my boss's daughter is probably not something even I am baller enough to get away with. I love, so we will I love how he says it because it's not a matter of, it's not any like kind of, it's, ah, uh, fine. We'll yeah. leave. I guess. It even seems amused. He's like, he, he oh, does. I made those, I made them betray their moral values. Yes, I wish to go on hurting you. Well, this is one of the reasons why I think Maru is not a great commanding officer because that's something that pretty much had to happen. I mean, she's not, but they had other options at this point. They could have continued the battle a little bit. They could have tried to retreat before going straight to the threats. Like I said, I don't think Nataral would have done this unless Flay had literally brought the option to the bridge and made it super easy. And I think this is supposed to show that Nataral is a better soldier than Maru. Yeah. Because Nataral was already supposed to be a bridge officer, and Maru was supposed to be a mechanic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she really... I'm kind of surprised she didn't abdicate the position. She tried to. Well, not to Nataral, though? That's true. Well, she kind of got but I put think in charge. To Nataral said, you're in charge. Oh, well. Yeah. And then she's um, like, Moo, you're in charge. And Moo is like, fuck that. <laughs> Nataral is like the quintessential soldier. That's why she runs the combat section. Like, she follows the chain of command and all that stuff. Generally Except speaking, for here. Except but. for here. Well, there's a couple of other instances where she kind of takes charge in combat, but that's also her job. Like I said, this series relies on foil characters. It's its biggest trick. Here is where we really emphasize the difference between Maru and Nataral. Whereas Maru is a bleeding heart and Nataral is a survivalist. Nataral. Yeah, that's why Zach. I like Nataral. <laughs> so she says, you know, someone call 911. I mean, um, escort that girl to her quarters. So someone does. And the episode ends on a note of Lacus being super nervous sad. <laughs> it's a little hard to read her emotion exactly. And also, Flay is uh, exhausted because her dad died. Poor Flay. And also because she threatened to kill another teenager. Yeah. I think she, I, I think the way you put it is best, Jeremy. She looks like she's both a nervous situation now and she's sad that it happened. Yeah. One of the things we really see is that Lacus is actually sad that Flay's dead. I think that's what the long close up on her is for. Man. Flay has been such a colossal asshole to her. I'm surprised she has any sympathy for that. But Lacus is a bigger bleeding heart than Maru. Well, that and she is in sort of a similar situation, right? She says to Flay, hey, we're basically the same. And Flay hates that, but that doesn't make it not true. That's true. And she can, I imagine what's going through her head is what if that was my dad, which is something that could definitely happen. So that's episode nine. Let's go ahead and do high points, low points. Tyler, what's your high point for this episode? (laughs) Probably Natarl taking charge and threatening to kill the hostage or threatening to let the hostage be killed by the enemy it certainly increases the drama and is a 
strong character defining moment for Natarl. All right, Zach, do you have a high point? Yeah, I, I personally like the instance with the door. Sai getting kicked in <laughs> oh, the yeah. nuts. That is one of your favorite lines. That, that is one of my favorite <laughs> overall lines in the series to begin with. So You can't have an implied high point, Tyler. That's actually <laughs> happened on free. High point for me, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it with all the combat going on, but both the Aegis and the Strike use their Vulcans quite a bit, both for distracting fire and to shoot down missiles. That is and true. I always like it when the Vulcans get a little attention. Because they're not sexy, but you put them on there for a reason. <laughs> well, it makes well, sense. We I mean, if of... you can land a lot of shots with the Vulcans on, like, around that area, it's not going to do a whole lot of damage. But, oh my god, is it going to be annoying as hell. Well, we got a fair amount of decent combat between the Aegis and the Strike. It was not great, but... Yeah. No th- angsting in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of disappointed. The problem with that fight really is the lack of emotional beats. The fight is fine, but it doesn't feel like it means anything. All right, so low points. You got a low point, Tyler? Honestly, the lack of Athranks. <laughs> so, like the first third of the episode doesn't really go anywhere. It takes it a little while to get itself ramped up. I think that feels like it's out of place with the rest of it. I think it's intentional. I think at the beginning, the Archangel crew is super excited because, oh man, we're finally going to get relief. And then, <laughs> yeah, of course, that blows up in their face. And it ends with probably the most tense moment of the series yet. As far as episode cliffhangers go, we had that really cool one where they were about to launch into combat. But this is probably the series that it's most tense thus far. Actually, my low point is uh, the senator not getting the uh, bean burrito he ordered. So <laughs> The low point for me is the fact that no one can draw Lacus's face. <laughs> She's the most popular anime character female for four years in a row after this. You know, this is after this, but still, no one can draw her face. You know who they do get consistently correct, though? Haro. <laughs> I think they get her face right later on in the series. I mean, they no, even, yeah, they do. But... When when she reappears later, she's perfect. And honestly, what I think happens is Gundam Seed was incredibly successful. I think they got some budget raises, and I think that's a lot of why the second half is able to do a lot of what it's able to do. All right, so last week we forgot to put a mobile suit on our mobile suit ranking. So we I thought that was intentional. That. I forgot. So no time like the present. And for a mobile suit to add this week, I think it's time we add the Ale Strike. You guys can go for something else if you like, but we're going to see a lot of the Ale Strike, but we've also pretty much seen all its tricks already. It's got two beam sabers, like an Ale Strike. It's got a beam <laughs> rifle. It's got a shield. It's the Gundam with a jetpack. I really like it, personally. Like I'm partial to jetpacks in the first place. I like jetpacks, and I like sword combat. It's got both. It's not my favorite pack for the Strike so far. So It's really your favorite bland. One? Probably sword. It's got a big-ass sword. How do you compete with that? Sword is pretty nice, but it's very, very limited in what it can do. I'm writing it purely on aesthetics. So It's really bland to me. I like it more than I like the original Gundam, but it really feels like a Gundam 2.0, or like a Gundam Verka, for those of you who know. It just feels like a redesign on it. And that's a little lazy when we have some way better designs in this series. But let's go ahead and put it on the list. Do we agree it's better than the Strike without a Striker pack? Yeah, I think so. I mm-hmm. think the red on the jetpack really helps with the color. What about the dual Gundam, which is pretty literally just the original? I also think I like it a little more than the dual. I think I agree. Again, I mostly too. for color reasons. The Mobius Zero, though. I yeah. like the Mobius Zero, but I think I like the Ale Striker more because I like mechs, says the Battletech fan. Yeah, I think I agree, actually. I'm not actually wearing it. I have a shirt that has a <laughs> Atlas's Death's Head on it. Okay, so above that is the Blitz Gundam, which I'm not a big fan of, to be honest. It's got some cool gimmicks, but I don't really like the overall design. I find the Blitz being more gimmicky than anything else. I actually like the Blitz better than the Ale Strike, but I'm already outvoted, so... All right, 
So uh, above that is the sword strike, which you said you think is your favorite, right? I mean, it's got a giant sword. Giant swords aren't everything. You say it's not that. about size; it's how you use it. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, he used it to kill. He killed Miguel with that. Who's I, the ale striker killed? I'm the guy that likes the giant, like wall-sized swords. I assume you've seen that clip between Cloud and Sephiroth where they're arguing length versus girth. <laughs> Honestly, I prefer the sword strike. That's. I mean, when I was a kid, I really didn't like the sword strike because I really don't like mobile suits without a reliable ranged combat option. But I kind of do think the sword strike is a lot more better as a design. I think the coloration is a little better. It feels a lot more unique. It feels less unique as they give more and more mobile suits that giant sword. But we're not too Gundam <laughs> Seed Destiny yet, so we don't have to worry about that. Do we have to reorder the list after Destiny? No, it's, no. We I, just... I like the sword strike because I, I like I said, I like melee combat weapons, and I like mechs. I mean, they kind of go together. But I like the flexibility the Ale Striker brings to the table. I also, I like the aesthetic of them both, but I, you know, I like, I just like that flexibility. I that- agree with you, but the original Gundam had all that, and it just feels like the original Gundam with a cool red jetpack. To be fair, if I'm we're okay going for it. functionality, definitely the Ale Strike, I feel, is uh, superior to the Well, I feel strike, like so. we have to balance function and form and creativity. Yeah. I think I like the sword a little more. The Ale Strike still goes at number three, behind the Sword Strike and bizarrely the high mobility gin. <laughs> I really like, like that gin. Yeah, Tyler really likes that gin. I know he does. All right, so that should do it for this episode. Join us next week when we watch episode 10, the second Friday, if Toonami had ever run this properly, Crossroads. And again, next episode kind of closes out an arc. And then a few episodes later, it closes out the larger arc. But these five episodes actually, besides the first one, which sucks, Form a pretty good uh, little arc. If you want to listen to past episodes or our other podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, you can get those at our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com. Until next time, if you get into trouble, just grab the nearest pop star and threaten her life. (laughs) Bye. Is there anything more ridiculous?